Again, that's Romans chapter 13, and I am starting with the 11th verse. Hear ye the word of the Lord. And do this, understanding that the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not carousing in drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. God's word for God's people and God's people say amen. 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 You may be seated. I want to talk a little bit about... Uh, for the, the brief amount of time that I'll be up here. Time to wake up. Amen. All right, all right. I remember growing up in the summertime, I would get to spend most of my summers with my grandmother, my grandma Bruce, as I called her, which was my mother's mother. Uh, my grandma Hargrave, which was my father's mother, she had 14 grandchildren at the time, and, and the list was growing. And so she couldn't watch us the entire summer, so everybody had to be on like a two-week rotation. Uh, you know, my, my dad's kids, we'd all come for two weeks, and then on the way out, uh, sometimes it would overlap, but Uncle Steven's kids would come behind us, and then, uh, you know, it, it would just rotate in and out so everybody could get some equal time with Grandma Hargrave. But I'd spend the rest of the summer at Grandma Bruce's. And Grandma Bruce, uh, along with her uh, brothers and sisters, put me to work. Uh, Uncle Bubba, as I called him, I, I didn't know his real name until I was grown, and he's still Uncle Bubba, uh, but he would come over my grandmother's house early in the morning and make me wake up. It was time to either go hunting or it was time to go pick up stuff at the junkyard or, you know, haul, lump, whatever, whatever kind of, I mean, labor, sorry, slipped out. Whatever kind of work he was going to have us do, we'd do that. And he wouldn't let you sleep in on the day. He would say that a man needs to get up and put his clothes on and go to work. So there were no off days where I could just sit around the house and lay around in my pajamas. I had to wake up and go to work. And I thought that I'd get to sleep in because it was summertime because I had to wake up during the school time too pretty early. Uh, my mom was an early riser. And if mama's an early riser, that means everybody else in the house is an early riser. And we had to get up early, sometimes multiple hours before we would have needed to get up to go to school because we had to go to daycare. And uh, mom had to work before school started and after school ended. So we'd go to daycare to get picked up for school and then get dropped off there until she could get off work to come get us. But you had to get up. You didn't want to sleep in. 
because if you thought you were sleeping in, mom would say, I'm going to need you to wake up. And if you don't wake up, I'm going to wake you up with the belt. So I learned very early that it was time to wake up. And then when I got older and was a little too old to be dropped off at daycare, I still had to wake up because I did not want to miss the bus to school. Because if I missed the bus to school after I got in trouble, uh, mom would then come from work to drive me to school. But I had to drive or be, I had to be driven to school and I would have to sing the entire song. And I'm dating myself right now, but there was a song out at the time by a rap group by the name of Crisscross. And they, they, they were some teenage rappers and they had a song called I Miss the Bus. And so if I, after getting in trouble for missing the bus and then waiting on mom to come back from work to come pick me up to the house and then drive me to school, I would have to rap. I missed the bus all the way from mama's house to school. I was up. He was up. But I laid back down thinking I could chill till the time came around. And I did. He did, but a little too long. Then I looked up. Yo, the bus was gone. I almost broke my neck trying to get out the door, and I chased the bus until I, my feet were sore on the trail, on the tail, but I couldn't catch up. Guess it must have been the day for me to have bad luck, because I lost my mu- lunch money, my school bags busted, I scuffed up my sneakers, now I'm really disgusted. And when I got to school, it was the same old thing, stepped into class, now the school bell rang. There was nothing I could do, I tried to explain, but the teacher treated me like I was playing a game. You lose, you lose, the day was a no-win. I guess I learned to never miss the bus again. All the way to school, and she'd make me repeat the verses over and over again. I missed the bus. Ow. I missed the bus. I missed the bus. Ow. And it is something that I'll never, ever, ever do again. All because I stayed asleep. I've also been paying a lot of attention to sleep lately because uh, I've not been getting much. I value my sleep time, you know, with my school responsibilities and the church responsibilities and still working at a day job. I've been paying attention to sleep. I've also been paying attention to sleep because we are in a time where it's, it's being used to point out whether or not somebody's being taken advantage of. People are saying that we are sleep to the government. We are sleep to corporations. We are sleep to the church. And if they are not sleep, if they are awake, they'll call them sheep. There's a whole lot of different things going on, and if we just sit docile to them, if we act like they're not going on, if we just don't pay attention to them, people will say that we are asleep. I was watching a documentary the other day called 13th, and it talks about the 13th Amendment and some of the different things that are going on in the community. I did not know that one in three African-American men will end up spending some time in prison during our lifetime. Wake up. There is a school-to-prison pipeline where they calculate where if you're not reading at grade level by third grade, they say you'll never catch up. 
And then they have other privatized prisons where if you're in the seventh grade failing math and science and your father is not at home, they've already calculated that you're going to go to prison. We need to wake up. And while the president uh, in, in, on his way out the door has put in legislation and orders to get rid of privatized prisons, some of those same type of corporations have moved away from privatized prisons and they're now trying to get involved in, in parole and probation. And so they're, they're, they want to be able to have the GPS trackers for your ankle monitors or your wrist monitors. They want to be able to control that. And so we've moved to the, from the privatized prisons to coming up with a way to imprison you in your own home. We need to wake up. The economy is in a downturn, but I'm watching people fight over marked down flat screen TVs. I saw a picture of somebody still in a hospital gown, and they made a joke about it, but somebody was raised off of their bed of affliction to come get them a, a, a Black Friday sale. Wake up. I read somewhere that we as an African-American community spend on average $1.46 for every dollar that we own. Wake up. There's an attempt almost every year that they come up with a new textbook to remove slavery out of the textbook. They wanted to change them at one time and not call them slaves and call them workers. And they wanted to say the Civil War was not about slavery, but about states' rights, the states' rights to own slave. And they try to say that it's about economic issues, it's the economic issues of making money off of slavery, but they try to take that out of the textbook on a regular basis. Wake up. Do you know that there are people out there that will really tell you that the Holocaust never happened? That the whole reason that everything got started in World War II had nothing to do with that? Wake up. The largest group of people growing in any religion are the nuns. They call them the nuns. That means they're non-affiliated. They don't want to be with Christian, any kind of God, any kind of religion. They're through with it all. Because they're worried about how we act or how the people on the inside act. Wake up. The time for sleeping is over. We need to wake up, put our clothes on, and get out and take care of the day. The part I read was interesting uh, in the text of Romans 13, but the part that, uh, that is before it is just as interesting because it has given the church grief. People have used it to argue, uh, to obey government authority, sometimes at the wrong time. Uh, the, Romans 13 and 1 says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority for which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. So they'll use that text incorrectly to say that if somebody was ever elected to a particular office, that it must be God's will for that to happen. But I submit to you that that does not mean that everybody that is in power in every position is a part of God's will. Because there are plenty of things that happen on a regular basis that are not in God's will. We have free will. We all have our own minds. We all make our own decisions. We all have our own consequences. And so those things that happen are not God forcefully making these things happen. It's a, our own people working. But people use that first, and they go about it the wrong way. And, and some people have gone about trying to address it the wrong way. 
oh, saying, oh, that was redacted, that was added. Somebody added that to the text later. That's not what the original said. But the oldest copies of Romans 13 have this verse in it. We got to deal with it. And so what it means when we want to obey the authority, that means we ought not be out causing violence towards them. We ought to be able to respect the office. We'd want somebody to respect the office if we were in it. But just because they're there does not mean that it was God-ordained. We ought to recognize authority. But we also need to understand that God stands above that authority. And any situation that we go through, this too shall pass. Every time troubles come around, we act like this is the worst trouble that we've ever seen. Some people act like it's the worst trouble that we've ever seen. And others act like, well, I'm glad we have it because you wouldn't be praying right if you didn't get no trouble in your life. Both of those, in my argument, are, are sleeping behavior. We ought to be able to wake up and, and do the work. You know, I get upset sometimes being a Christian and I think about uh, being a believer because we have some of the best and the brightest in the world, but we act like you can't be a believer and be the best and the brightest. At one time, they considered becoming a pastor or getting a seminary degree to be on par with that of getting a law degree or going to med school. But somehow over time, it, 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 uh, the value of the, the rigor was degraded. And, and some of it has to do with, uh, you know, just being quite honest, uh, being concerned about the room being full. If we give you this pie in the sky, give me all your money and God will rain down blessings upon you. And that keeps the buildings packed, but we're not giving any meat in the word. People can still be sleep, but I submit to you that you can do both. You can impact lives and get into the word and still reach the people. But we have some of our best and our brightest in the Christian community, but we don't, we act like when we walk into the doors of the church, we turn our brains off. Like you cannot be a scientist and still believe in God. That it has to be either creation or evolution. That it has to be either God will heal my, heal my sickness and, and, and just by laying hands or the doctor does it. And there's no in between. But I would, I would submit to you that I believe that God created the doctor. God gave the doctor the talent. God gave the lawyer the talent. God gave the engineer the talent. God gave the scientist the talent. There are just as many unexplainables in science as there are in, in Christianity but we've become divided and we're fine. We're comfortable in our own bed, believing what we want to believe and not entertaining anything outside of it. I don't disregard faith, but I, leave the, I believe that my God is smart enough and my God is powerful enough to create those things. You can be logical and spiritual at the same time. And so in the text, we have a realization. Let the church say realization. Uh, we need to know that the Lord's coming is near. 
And when he talks about time and he talks about sleep and awake and near and far, these aren't the chronological terms that we would think. This is not the chronos time. This is the kairos time, a spiritual time. And the time is important. Time is one of the few things that uh, they don't make any more of. You can get things back. You can get money back. You can get any kind of possession back. You can even get your relationships back. But what you cannot get back is time. But the time that Paul is talking about is a special time, a special moment. Instead of that, it's chronological. And he's saying that we're in midnight to morning of this special time. And Paul expects the people of God to wake up before day breaks fully. We have time to get up out of our beds and get to work. But if we're going to get out of our beds and get to work, we have to change the way that we think about it. Uh, Romans 12 says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can't think the same way about the problem and expect to get a result at any different. I've heard people say that the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So we need to be able to renew our minds and move and change how we think about things, change how we act about things, change how we speak about things. We have to wake up. It's nice laying in the bed. That sleep is sweet. That comfort is sweet. Not a care in the world, not a problem to worry about. The only thing I have to worry about is if I've got enough blanket, if my pillow is positioned right. Am I warm enough? Am I cold enough? But we have to be willing to step out and not just be around the familiar. So if we're going to get up, we need to actually wake up and get out of the bed, not just lounge around in our house. We have to go out. And the time, the realization is that the time is running out. And other realization is that the time of salvation is near. Our salvation is nearer now than we first believed. We can't be complacent Christians. Satisfied with what we basically have, which is fire insurance. We, we believe in Jesus so we won't burn. We're going to get everything that we need and, and we got a reservation and a confirmation number in a mansion that we got to work on. We, we cannot be satisfied with our present level of discipleship. We should be spending more time in the word. We should be spending more time in prayer. We should be spending more time if we're not spending any time. Maybe I shouldn't say more time, but we should be spending some time evangelizing. What good is it to have salvation and not want to share it with other people? We have to be willing to wake up and get out of our proverbial bed. We have to be willing to get out of this church. And spread the word to the people. And we ought to spend more time in prayer. We ought to spend more time seeking our father's face. And not just seeking our father's face when we are sick. Not just because we don't know where the money is coming from for this month. Not just because we have these unexpected bills. We shouldn't be spending more time in prayer just because we have an incoming president that's been endorsed by alt-right and neo-Nazis. We shouldn't just be praying then. We shouldn't just be praying because now that we've discovered by some of our co-workers that racism is not a deal breaker. That shouldn't be why we should be praying. We should have been praying beforehand. 
And I'm not saying it because I'm mad that he's in office. Quite frankly, I think we'll survive. But we've gotten so divided. We've gotten so, so, so to the point that we don't want to step outside of our own comfort zones that now certain things have become a problem and we think that it's the end of the world. But my point is, is that we should be developing ourselves. We should be strengthening ourselves just because, not just, just because that's what we're supposed to do, not just because of what just happened. We ought to be able to do more than just come to church. Coming to church and being in church on a regular basis does not make you any more Christian than standing in a garage makes you a car. Just because you are in the building, you're, there are still tasks that need to be completed. And so Paul is telling the people in Romans that the salvation is near. When he talks about salvation, he's talking about Jesus coming back. But we're not talking about time. I always chuckle when I see people try to predict the exact day and the exact hour that I think that Jesus is going to return. That's not what it's about. What it's about when they say that, it's, that salvation is coming and Jesus is returning is saying that we need to get our act together. You hear somebody's coming on the way and you want to clean up before they get here. When you got company coming and they call you and they say, I'm around the corner, you clean up a little bit, right? Well, Jesus is around the corner. It doesn't mean that he's coming exactly on some date, but you need to be in order. You need to be able to receive him. We shouldn't just be concerned about preparing. Life is going to be full of ups and downs. Life is going to be full of ups and downs, and we need to be able to navigate through them anyway because salvation or Jesus' coming is nearer now than it is before. And we have this realization that he's coming and time is running out. And the, real, and the response is that we need to put off the works of darkness. The debauchery, the drunkenness, the licentiousness. All of these things I find that are interesting uh, because these are things that damage your body. And if we don't take care of our bodies, we don't get the proper rest. If we don't take care of our bodies, we may spend a little too much more time sleeping than we need to. It's kind of hard to get up with a hangover. We do these things and they affect our sleep. And quarreling and jealousy. You know, I've been working on that myself. Not the jealousy part but the quarreling. I've had to work on not engaging myself in certain things. Because there are people out there that live for the argument. They live to get a rise out of you. They lived, as they say on the internet, troll you. And I've learned not to engage. And you know what's interesting is when I don't engage, I'll see those arguments forming and I'll keep I'll walk right past it I won't respond to it I won't I won't fall into it I, I'll just keep going and you know what's interesting about that when I don't engage I don't lose any sleep at night I don't spend any time thinking about what I should have done or what I should have said or did I not did I say too much or did I respond in the wrong way all of these things damage us and this allows us to get more peaceful sleep. And then when we wake up, we wake up much better 
because we've had enough sleep. And then we have to put on the armor of light. We take off the works of darkness. And we have to behave like it's daylight. I like that the text said behave like it's daylight. Didn't say wait for daylight. Uh, we know when the lights are off, we act just a little differently. They say that sunlight is the best disinfectant. Well, you operate a little differently than you would during the daytime than you would at night. And so we need to behave if, as if the lights are on. I, I'm reminded of uh, uh, one of the things I learned in orientation about my, my day job. And they talk about one of their core values is integrity in everything that we do. And the person that, that came up with that phrase always says, you need to operate like whatever you're about to do will be blasted on the front page of the paper. Amen. And so we need to operate like, is this something we would do if everybody was watching? Because even if you don't think anybody's watching, even if you don't see anybody around, you'll be surprised how many people were still watching. How many people saw it in your eyes before you left? And then if you just are that slick and are able to get away with everything Jesus still saw. And so we put off the works of darkness and we put on the armor of light. And this armor of light that Paul is talking about, this is, is, these are tools for battle. More specifically, weapons. And if you want anything worthwhile, you are going to have to fight for it. You are going to have to wake up and fight for your children. You're going to have to wake up and fight for your marriage. You're going to have to wake up and fight for your church. You can't just lay down and let things happen. Wake up and fight for them. We've gotten too comfortable in this life. Pretty much everything we need is provided for us, and so we don't have to fight for it. And we don't realize what's going on around us. I've never had frog. But I always found it interesting about how they cook a frog. I'm allergic to shellfish, so I've never had lo lobster either. But the same way in how they cook it, you don't just throw the animal into boiling water. You put them in lukewarm water and slowly raise the temperature up as they adapt to get used to it. And then by the time it gets too hot, they've been in it too long and there's no way they can get out. If you had it boiling already, you throw them in, they hop out. We're we, we not for that. But when you make them comfortable, when you only raise it up a little bit, when you only stop reading the Bible just a little bit, when you only stop praying just a little bit, then you look up and all of these troubles are around you. They didn't just come up on you. They, they rose the temperature up slightly, just enough. And so we have to be willing to fight and be uncomfortable. We have to get outside of the church walls. And I don't mean just physically getting outside of the church walls. We have to mentally get outside of the church walls. We have to put on programs and do things that don't just benefit us or benefit our church people. All right. So I run into this problem a lot, and I'll use uh, the various fraternity organizations as, as an example. We tend to recycle money. All of these organizations want to put on fundraisers and, you know, of course, pay their bills and then, you know, put, give out scholarships and, 
you know, turkeys for Thanksgiving and Christmas and all of these different organizations I'm in, they all do pretty much the same thing. Uh, the only difference usually is, is how they are structured and, and what you got to do to get in. But all of them pretty much operate from a, if you look at it from a high level, the same way. But they all do the same thing. They'll put on a raffle and they'll go sell the tickets to just other chapters around the area. They'll have a banquet and they'll sell the tickets to this chapter over here and that chapter over there. And then that chapter comes and they'll support their banquet. They'll buy 10 tickets or whatever. They'll buy their raffles or whatever. But then when that chapter that supported your banquet or your raffle has their own banquet and their own raffle, they expect you to support them. And so all we do is we go around passing the same money around, doing the same thing over and over again because everybody done coordinated their schedules. They done coordinated their, their, their banquets and their award ceremonies and everything, and all they are doing is benefiting each other. Kind of like some churches. We done coordinated our men and women's days. We done coordinated our friends and family days. We done coordinated our anniversary celebrations. We done coordinated our pastor's appreciations. We done coordinated all this. And all we doing is taking the same group of people and plopping them down. And change. all we doing is changing choir robes. We could probably all print the same program and just leave blanks in the spot. The welcome and the occasion, the visitors, the visitor response, the scripture reading. We're going to have some dance ministry come up. Then we're going to have the introduction of the speaker. Then we're going to have the guest choir come up and sing their thing. Then we're going to have the word. We have to be willing to change the way that we think about things. We have to be willing to put on a new way of thinking. Have to put on these tools and use them together. And then he says that the best thing that you can do after you have waken up is put on some new clothes. Going from darkness to light, these are not just simple changes that Paul is talking about. These are radical, life-changing effects. He's talking about putting on this salvation of Jesus because that is the best thing that you can put yourself on, clothing yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. I know I'm talking a lot about changing things, but the only, the, and that's very hard to do. It's very hard to break old habits, and I would argue that's why he says you have to put on Jesus Christ. Because when you put on Jesus Christ, he'll give you the strength to move on. Jesus Christ will give you the strength to come up with those new ideas and the visions and the things to do to make yourself better. He'll give you the power to resist the temptation of falling back in your own ways. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. And so the best thing that you can put on after you have woke up is Jesus. That's the best outfit you can put on. You don't have to worry about whether or not it's wrinkled or whether or not it's dirty or whether or not it matches. It's a perfect fit. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come.